name is Pastor Matt. Today is our second week of our brand new series called Love One Another. And if I was to put a title on today, it would simply be, be this. There is another way to live. What I mean by that is this, is that it is time for us as followers of Jesus Christ to lose traditions to lose the mentalities that hold us back and to lose the pride of life and live according to the way that Jesus himself has purposed and demonstrated for our life. And I would encourage you right now, grab your Bible, bring up your Bible app, whatever it is that you look at your at, your, at Scripture on, uh, and uh, I would encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter Two Colossians chapter 2. I would encourage you just to go there right now as we kick off today. I want to start by saying this is, this is what we face as people. This is what we face as uh, human beings. And it doesn't quite really matter whether you believe in Jesus or not. This is something that we all face. We all face the very reality that life is complex. Life continues to get complicated. And uh, you may be in a utopic uh, way of life that uh, that uh, you're saying, no, I'm simplifying. Life is not complex for me. Well, let me congratulate you because you would be one of very few people uh, because even the nature of simplifying life can get quite complicated. But I take my hat off to you if you are that person. But life Life is full of extraordinary challenges and it never really gets simpler for most people. Life seems to be an ever-increasing barrage of complexities. At the moment, we are in kind of stage four, maybe stage three, COVID uh, in Melbourne, Victoria at the moment. There's permits, there's forms, there's fees, there's fashion. There's even COVID fashion. Can you believe there's COVID fashion? It's the type of mask that we wear. Even that, I find myself uh, being drawn into this complexity. Maybe we need to get some COVID masks with MCC logo on the side. And I find myself saying, no, Matthew, don't be absurd. There's image, there's time management, there's healthy choices that we have to make. There's expectations that are placed upon placed upon us. There's our emotional health as we go through those different things. There's politics. Friends, the list goes on. Life doesn't seem all that simple. And I can feel my heart rate going up even as I share this list with you. But please relax. There's good news of which I'll get to a little later on. The very real problem that we face as believers in Jesus is that we live uh, our life as compared to the life that we believe Jesus displays and wants for us. And as for a follower of Christ or as a disciple of Jesus, that can actually be quite a complex thing to be lived out, to be worked out. You might say to yourself, well, goodness gracious me, Matt, you know, there is no way that I could live a life in the way that Jesus lived. And for, for most part of it, that would be very, very true. But you see, Jesus gave a great command. His command was this, is that we would love one another. 
And there wouldn't be one person on the face of the earth that would have a problem with either loving one another within their family, loving one another within their friends and their community, or even loving every single person within their sphere of influence. The truth is this, is that that is a commandment that Jesus gave. He actually upgraded uh, uh, the commandment and he said this very thing. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you would love one another as I have loved you. In other words, as Jesus loved you. So here is this baseline suggestion. It wasn't a suggestion. It was a commandment. He used those words. He didn't say, oh, you know, can I make point out something that, you know, might be of benefit to you? It was a commandment. It was this very clear call that said, love one another, a new commandment, uh, not a great suggestion, a new commandment that I that that you love one another, a new commandment that I give to you. I'll get it right one day. A new commandment that I give to you that you would love one another as I've loved you. So if we're a follower of Jesus, if we believe in Jesus, then we live within the realms of living out that commandment as best as we understand it. And so today what I want to explore is that that our default baseline within our life, the very bare minimum of our life, can be lifted up into that place of where we can love as Jesus loves. We can move past the complexities and the traditions of men and religious notions and expectations from other people, and we can actually step into that place of loving one another as Jesus commanded and displayed for us. So, if you don't yet believe in Jesus, then you're under the same pressure. You're under the same pressure of, of doing good by our fellow man or, or doing, doing the right socially acceptable thing. There might be questions that you might have even within politics or, you know, it could be climate change. It could be lots of different things that you live under this same very tension is, is how do I love other people? Sometimes it could be how do we love our other people if we can't even love ourselves and that might be a matter for a different day. But it is the tension between keeping up with expectations and responsibilities and yet managing our own emotional, psychological and our spiritual health. We all have this default baseline. There are things that we are susceptible to that are common and uncommon weaknesses, strengths and talents. The truth is we are all very different. We are all a great expression of what it is to be human. And that is okay. All of these things are not new. All of these pressures are not new. Uh, mankind has been battling these things for thousands of years. I, ho I hope that today you can be encouraged that you are not the only one walking through these things. And guess what? You sure as anything won't be the last. The truth is the tension that we all feel to keep up with the world around us creates a response. We are wired to respond. And when we look at the word responsibility, it's made up of what we can see, two words, responsibility, the ability to respond and respond well. And you see, friends, love is a response. Love is a response that we have in response 
in, in terms of the signal that we're receiving and the signal that we're sending. Sometimes this response looks like temporary and unfulfilling things. It could be eating excessively. It could be drinking uh, excessive amounts of alcohol to numb pain or, or numb the feeling and the weight of responsibility. It could be over-exercising. Um, well, that's not something that I struggle with, over-exercising, but stagnant living, that is, <laughs> that is nothing's going out and yet you're expecting everyone to serve you. Stagnant living. Anger and rage towards each, other's, it, towards each other. Man, if you stub your toe, you might tear the world down. You might, you know, if something doesn't go your way, you might actually uh, uh, um, um, need to deal with the issue of anger in your life. The point is, is that our response, our default baseline response often needs fulfillment of other things like what I've been addressing here. Addiction, self-destructive behavior, living according to the requirements of religious or societal pressures and mindsets. The truth is that whatever your response and the response of those around you today, I want you to know this very one very clear thing. And if you're taking notes, be sure to write this down, stick it up on the back of your toilet door, stick it up on the mirror every morning that you might look at, um, or whatever it might be. But I want you to understand this. Because of who Jesus is, you are a powerful person. Because of who Jesus is, you are a powerful person. You have been created with purpose. The life you are living right now is not the peak of your existence. There is more that Jesus wants to show you. And friends, there is another way to live. I want to tell you about a story about a Kenyan runner named Abel Mutai. He was only a few metres away from the finish line, but he got confused with the signs and he stopped and he actually thought he had finished the race. A Spanish man by the name of Ivan Fernandez was right behind him and realising what was going on, he started to shout to the Kenyan runner to keep running. Mutai didn't know a word of Spanish coming from Kenya, and did not understand what his friend or, or competitor Ivan was saying to him. Really realising what was going on, Ivan Fernandez pushed Mutai to victory, in front of him physically pushing him to ensure that he crossed the finish line before Ivan. And a reporter pulled Ivan aside and said, why did you do this? And Ivan replied, my dream is that one day we can have some sort of community life where we push ourselves and help each other win. The reporter insisted, but why did you let the Kenyan win? Ivan replied by saying, I didn't let him win. He was going to win. The race was his. And the reporter, typical of media, insisted and asked again, but you could have won. Ivan looked at him and replied, but what would be the merit of my victory? What would be the honour of this medal? What would my mother think of it? 
And see, friends, values are transmitted from generation to generation. What values do we teach our children and how much do we other, inspire others to earn? How do we lift up others around us, friends? Jesus was the greatest example. As great as Ivan was, this story displays the need for us as human beings together to lift up others around us, to love one another. This, friends, this story is a prime example of what Jesus calls for us to be like, helping each other, loving one another, and living from the perspective of the kingdom of heaven rather than the pride of man's sense of achieving self-centeredness. Ivan had trained. He had prepared. He had deserved a win just like any other who finished that marathon. The difference is we will all be judged on how we love, not on whether we won. Muti demonstrated, sorry, Ivan demonstrated a kingdom principle of honour. So what must we do? I want to ask this question. Where do we go to? (coughs) Excuse me. Where do we go to and how do we address this within our own lives? Well, we can find the answer in Colossians chapter 2, and I would encourage you to turn to Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. And it says this, verse 2, that their hearts may be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding that they may know the mystery of God, even Christ. Then jump down to verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith that as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, All the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness as he is the head over every power and authority. Then down to verse 13, where it says, When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Verse 15. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not not let anyone who delights in false humility in the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person also goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up with idle notions by their unspiritual mind. They've lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. So since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, verse 20, Why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? 
And here we're not talking about just only, um, uh, we're not talking about uh, rules that God encourages us to submit to the law of the land. But what we're talking about is these rules that it just sort of starts to say, these religious notions that says, verse 21, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. See, back in those days, back in the days of the Old Testament, what they believed is that if you touched something, if I was to touch this watch and it was deemed as unholy, then I become unholy because I have touched it. But Jesus flipped everything on its head when he died on the cross. He gave a new commandment and he said, whatever you touch, you make holy. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives in us, the Spirit of God alive in us. It says in verse 22, these rules which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. Colossians chapter 3, and I know this is a bit of passage of reading to go through. It says this, verse 1, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is all idolatry. And let's just stop there. I think what you can understand from what I'm reading here is that there is a, there is a nature within us, that, that sin nature within us of which God calls us out of. In other words, the Bible puts it this way, to put that sin nature to death, to put religious notions to death, to put uh, um, uh, idolatry, things that would consume us to death, to do away with those things so that we are then elevated into this new way of living, this new and incredible way of living our life. In every text of Scripture, there are these imperatives. These are, these are moral norms of how, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, that we are called to live. So the first thing in this scripture is that is absolutely clear is that there is a better way to live. And that's for each and every single one of us. That's for all of us. There is a better way to live. The first thing that we need to understand as we read through this is that love is the foundation. Love is the motive at our core. If we are to understand that there is a better way to live, then we understand that there is a better way to love. And loving does not look like religious control, manipulative behaviour. It does not look like worshipping and allowing external things to control our desires. But it does mean that we submit to one another, that we submit to Christ, to Jesus as our head, 
And this scripture in Colossians talks about how that we are members of one body, building each other up. If my little finger doesn't submit to the role that my knee has and tries to support one side of my body, then my little finger will horrifically fail. And friends, so often within church life, within our own lives, we find ourselves walking down default paths that are really only religious notions as opposed to the freedom that Jesus has actually bought for us. The Bible says that he who the Son, being Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, the Son of God, sets free is free indeed. That is why you are a powerful person. That is why when you understand the freedom that Jesus Christ has set up for your life, the answers that he has given to you, you step into a power beyond measure. So let love be your motive. See, life is only found in Christ. And as we come to him with that thankfulness that we will never lose that wonder of him, to be in awe of who he is. No one is disqualified or discriminated against in the kingdom. If we can understand that, then we will never fall into a pity party of ourselves. We will never lose our thankfulness towards God. For all, the Bible says, have fallen short of God's ultimate plans. There is no one, not one, who has attained eternal life on their own through religious acts, or superstitious behavior and beliefs. We are actually all in this together, and we all come from the same default. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, then sin sin entered, that was a scene, but sin entered mankind. And that, friends, created an orphan-like lostness in our life. So there's this encouragement that we can come to Father, that we can come to our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. It's interesting that the word says put to death. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty, uh, 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 very, it's a clear statement. It's a clear uh, command, so to speak, put to death. In other words, what it means is this, disallow fleshly things that seek to have power over you. Disallow it. Don't give it permission. Religious notions or superstitious things or, you know, I, I, have to, I have to put my right shoe on before my left shoe and that way I know I'm going to have a good day. And little beliefs that really take away from the truth that Jesus holds your life, that Jesus is, is wanting to uphold you and you're in a community of faith of believers that are doing the same. You will never have an anger problem when you kill anger. (laughs) You will never have a comparison problem when you realise that Jesus died for you because you are incomparable. You will never have a problem of lying when you realise that the devil is the father of lies and you are not like him. You will never have an eating problem when you realize that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit and you have a responsibility to care for it. Friends, bad habits will be overcome when we know who we are and when we know who we are called to be. But we can't do this on our own. 
There's no way that we can do any of this on our own. I can hear you saying, Matt, I can't be like Jesus. Don't you know what he did? He walked on water and he was always loving and, and uh, you know, he, he was always right. And friends, no, on our own we can't. But Jesus died and he was sent to heaven in order to release the power of the Holy Spirit on our life. Next week, Pastor Julie is going to be talking with us about how how the Holy Spirit and what role the Holy Spirit has in empowering us to live this out. There was one who did. Obviously, it's Jesus Christ. There was one who showed that example for us. Jesus displayed this sort of love for one another when he washed the disciples' feet. He displayed it when he touched lepers. You need to understand how controversial that thing is. It's like walking into a COVID zone where there are infections and COVID people without a mask on. Not that I'm encouraging you to do that. But that's the sort of thing, that's what Jesus displayed when lepers came to him and he touched them. Back then, if you touched a leper, sure enough, you would probably get leprosy yourself. But Jesus reached out and with the power of the love that he had for those men and those women, those lepers there that he touched, they were made whole. He, they were made whole because he was whole. When he knelt to cover the shame of the woman caught in adultery, And of course, he shared love when he bore the shame, our shame, upon the cross. We can choose this better way to live, to point the direction for others to live in the same way. How do we do this? Well, we do this simply by this. Number one, we live beyond our lifetime. To be able to uh, love one another and display that there is another way to live. We stop living for ourselves within the moment. And there's this notion and there's this lie that, 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 that seems good for the time, seems good for the moment, that says, live for the moment. Look, I believe it's important when when my wife Anna and I got married, somebody said to me, take in every single moment of every day because before you know it, on that wedding day, it's, it's all going to be over and done with within that day. And so I would find myself during our wedding day just stopping, taking the moment, taking the moment. Mm, I'm trying to take in this moment right now. What am I seeing? What am I doing? I'm taking in the moment. Well, I was so busy taking in the moment that I was losing sight of what was actually happening. You see, I don't get married just for a wedding day. I get married for a lifetime together. And you see, within that, we need to live beyond our lifetime. We need to understand that there are generations coming after us. There are generations of boys and girls coming through that need us to display this very real thing. Loving one another. And we get to set up the culture for them. Number two is this. Give beyond what you think is possible. 
That is a that is so key. And I'm not saying I'm not saying give beyond your means. What I'm saying is this is that if you can easily give this much, go ahead and give that little bit more. You see, friends, if we only give out of what we have, if we only give out of the abundance of what we have, then there is no sacrifice in it. There is no investment in the future. But if we give that little bit more, friends, what actually happens is this, is that we invest into the future and God can trust us with more, with greater things. And of course, I'm not just talking about the finances. I'm talking about the resources of who we are, the attitude of which we have, generous, just like our Father. Number three, we've got to lose the things that are not important to God. Man, how many churches have been split because they moved the communion table? <laughs> or they or, or they moved the organ. <laughs> or 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 they they sung a different song. Oh goodness gracious me. The truth is this is that Jesus has given us freedom, life and life abundantly. And that doesn't look like the same boring old notion every single day. We've got to lose the things that are not important to God. We've got to lose self-hatred. We've got to lose the self-condemning nature that so many religious things try to put upon us to tear us down. Friends, lose the things that are not important to God. And the fourth thing, love like Jesus. The only way that we can know how to love like Jesus is to read the Gospels and read the New Testament as to how the character of God came through in loving people, setting people free, giving people a second, a third chance, a fourth chance. We Later on in this series, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And the disciples said to Jesus, how many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Would that be enough? And no, Jesus went the whole hog. He just took it over the top because Jesus was like that. He just took it over the top and he said, no, 70 times seven just for that one day. Man, that's that's walking in forgiveness. That's walking in love. We know how to love like Jesus loves when we learn his word, when we press into that. So today, friends, I've shared with this, with, with you, sorry, about loving one another. Loving one another with the understanding that there is another way to live. You can love, you can live with more love. You can live with more love. You can love with more life. And that is true of each and every single one of us. So I said, we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't do this without the working of the Holy Spirit in our life enhancing us and empowering us, understanding that you are, we are powerful people given power and a destiny and a hope. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your life. We thank you for your love. And right now I just ask that your presence would fall in every single room, in every single uh, uh, encounter, Lord, in every single person, on, on every single person who's watching this today. Lord, that you would give them a revelation of how much you love them, that you would give them a revelation of how empowered they are to love others. 
And so, Lord, right now, let your healing power flow on people, on those who have not experienced your love. Lord, that you would simply wash over us in a strong and powerful way. And we ask this all in your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.